Grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, uh, last week Sunday, um, at the second service was confirmation, so it had a slightly different focus, quite a different focus to the 8am service, which was All Saints Day, and so we had a different sermon at 8 o'clock and focused on thinking about all, all the people who have gone before us, especially those um, from our own parish who died during the year, Hans Lang, George Nopke, and Dennis, of course, Dennis Gliesner. And it's, it's quite fitting that the text listed in the church calendar have for this week a kind of a continuation on that theme from the second reading, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, which had the, Thess the Thessalonian Christians a bit concerned because some of their Christian people had died. And they were worried about that. Besides the natural grief they were worried. Are they lost? Jesus hasn't returned. Are they separated from us and Jesus somehow? So we get this text. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. This was Paul telling the Thessalonian Christians and tells us too. Yet even though we have that text, we do not grieve as those we have no hope. I, I don't think I could, I don't think, I know I couldn't stop the sentence at we do not grieve. Because grief is a normal, natural and emotionally necessary process that we go through. It would be very unnatural, indeed inhuman, not to feel grief when we lose someone near and dear to us. In fact, psychologists speak of grief work. Grief work. And what they mean by that is that that's just how it feels. It feels like hard, tough work to go through. And it isn't just in the days afterward. Grief goes on, and grief keeps coming back at odd times, grabbing us from behind and throwing us into deep sadness. I, I don't know whether you feel like that. At 8 o'clock, some people were kind of nodding to that, thinking even though their loved ones have died a long time, it's not that they're in grief all the time, but sometimes that sort of grief feeling comes again. And I, I'd have to admit it does for me. My, my father next year is 30 years. My father died and my mum will be nearly 20 years. What about you? Don't you feel it sometimes still, your loved ones? Even if it wasn't this last year, but it's some other years. At the same time, of course, it is appropriate as Christians to joyfully celebrate Jesus' victory over death. However, once again, doing it 
through our personal tears of sadness. After all, Jesus wept at the grave of his dear friend Lazarus. So I think that gives us the okay to do the same. But Paul does say, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And here's what Christians hope. We hope that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead shall raise us as well. And we hope that just as Christ ventured forth out of the grave to another life outside of the realm of the dead, um, he shall also bring us to that as well. Asleep in Jesus. It's interesting that the, in the text Paul refers to death as death when he's talking about Jesus. So he says, Jesus died. He says that quite blatantly. Jesus died. But when he talks about Christians dying, he calls that sleep. And so uh, I'm quoting Martin Luther here now. Martin Luther says that we must look upon a Christian death with different eyes, not considering our Christian dead people as dead and buried and finished. No more existence, of course. To the five senses, that's the way it looks, but we should go beyond the five senses. Listen to what Paul says, that they are sleeping in Christ and that God will bring them with Christ. Christians are asleep in Jesus. Luther highlights that Paul doesn't say that Christ fell asleep. He says, Luther says, Paul speaks more sternly about Christ's death than ours. So we should look at Christ's death. Jesus died. And then compare it with our death and say, because Jesus died, now we don't call our loved ones dead, but we call them sleepers. They are sleeping. Um, they are not called dead, but they are called sleepers. And that means to be asleep in Jesus, there's, there's not an extinction of their life. There's a continuation of their life. There's a continued existence. So it isn't death. It looks like sleep. And the reason Christians can see that death looks like sleep is because Christ's death destroyed death. So the next point Paul makes is that there's no separation caused by our death. And this is what the um, Thessalonians were worried about. Some of their members had died. They were expecting Jesus to come, but some of their members had died, and so they worried where are they? What's happened? Are they away from the Lord or are they with the Lord? They were seriously concerned about this. And Paul had to teach him, teach them not to despair, thinking that their dead are separated from Jesus. They are not separated from Jesus, he says. Paul says Jesus died and rose again, the heart of the good news. Jesus died did not remain in death. He rose. He conquered death. 
And if God did not abandon Jesus to death, he will not abandon his Christian uh, dead either. Paul tells the Thessalonians, in fact, that they will come again when Jesus comes. They will come with him, so they are not separated from Jesus. They are with him and will come with him. They are never separated from Jesus. And those who are alive when Christ returns are also united with Christ and with those who come together with Christ so that we are all together with the Lord and there is no separation then. We had this text earlier in the year, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And what we know about God, what Christ has taught us about God, is that God longs to be with us. That he will do anything to be near us. And that he will go to any lengths to have us. And that's what we celebrate every Sunday we hear a reading from the Old Testament, we hear from the New Testament, we hear this God who pursues his people, searches for them, seeks for them, wants them back when they go far away from him. We could think of the, what, the very early stories in the Old Testament. Adam and Eve sinned. What did they do? They took off and hid. And what does God do? comes looking for them in the garden. He's a searching God. He comes for his people. And there's heaps of stories about that. Another one I could think of is the story in the New Testament of Jesus coming and there's crowds of people and Zacchaeus, a short fella, had the clue that maybe from a distance he could get climb up a tree and just see Jesus from a distance sort of walking past. Now what does Jesus do? Jesus spots him up there in the tree, comes up to that tree, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to be in your house today. And he shares fellowship with Jesus. In, Jesus shares fellowship with Zacchaeus in Zacchaeus' house. That's... um. That's the kind of God we have. The one who comes after us, comes for us. We might prefer to be a bit distant from God. Zacchaeus got the fright of his life probably. I didn't want to see you. I didn't want to meet you. <laughs> but it changed his life. Changed his life. This is the basis of our hope. We are confident that God who has gone to such extraordinary lengths to come for us in life. He will not cease those efforts to come for us in death, in our death. Therefore, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. So we believe that the same God who pursued us, reached out to us, sought us in all the days of our lives will not cease to pursue us, reach out to us, and seek us even in our death. Our hope is not some wishful thinking that we've got some spark of eternity in us. Our hope is in the love of God that is stronger than death. The love of God is stronger than death, stronger than the devastation of death, and that ultimately there is nothing that can separate us 
from the love of God. Nothing. God, having gone to such great lengths to save us in this life, will continue to demand us in death. That is why we do not grieve as those who have no hope. God is the giver of life. And we thank God for that life. And we enjoy that life. And that's why it's hard and sad to die. And God is the giver of life of those who we've loved in this life. And that's why it's sad when they die. They are good gifts. That death robs us of those good gifts and of those we, we love. Um, so it's natural to grieve about that. But we trust that Jesus' love continues to hold them, those we love who have died, and will hold us too when death takes us. Having experienced on so many Sundays Jesus' presence with us, this hearing of it from the word of him coming for us, and also on communion Sundays when we receive him, the real presence of Jesus for us. That is what we hope for and count on forever. Our hope is that we will, by the work and will of God, be with Jesus forever. Death, the final enemy, has been defeated. And so Paul encourages us. The second reading finishes like this. Encourage one another. Comfort each other with these words. We will never be separated from God. We will always be with the Lord. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.